This is Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. Cross Hope is broadcast daily and shares five minutes of hope and encouragement from the Word of God. Our companion website is www.crosshope.org. Now with today's uplifting message, here's Randy. Well, before we begin our message this week on Cross Hope, I think I need to say a word. We're going to be discussing a very controversial passage in 2020. Controversial simply because what the Word of God says is totally countercultural, talking about sexual purity and sexual immorality. I've noticed that sins all have their uh, apologists. They're people who are quick to point out that may have been a sin 50 years ago, but it's not a sin now with anything. And that's what we're going to run into with this message from Ephesians 5 uh, 1 through 8. Let it speak to you in a powerful way. I hope you keep your mind open and your spirit open most of all. God bless you as you listen. Some of you remember a tennis player by the name of Arthur Ashe. He was called a world-class tennis player because of his tremendous ability, but someone referred to him in this way. I thought it was a great compliment. Arthur Ashe was a world-class father. What, What a compliment. You may remember the sad story is that he died of AIDS contracted by a blood transfusion during bypass surgery. But he talked about how he led by example with his children. He said, my wife and I were talking about this recently with our six-year-old daughter. He said in an interview just before his death, children are much more impressed by what they see you do than by what you say. That's an interesting remark. Children are much more impressed by what they see you do than by what you say. Children at that age certainly keep you honest. If you've been preaching one thing all along to your children and suddenly you don't do it, they'll bring it to light right up in your face. They'll bring it to light right in your face. And some of you can say, been there and done that, where a son or daughter said, that's not what you told me to do. That's not what I hear you telling other people to do. You're doing the very thing or not doing the thing that you tell me today to do. And you say, why are you talking about that? I want to talk about who your model is, who you follow in life. Talk to any symphony conductor or musician. They'll tell you they model some of what they do after another conductor, another musician. Talk to any author and they'll say, well, really, I've had great influence in my life from this author or that author. Talk to a school teacher and he or she will tell you, I was impacted by a teacher in my life A college professor will say, I was impacted by a teacher, and that's been a model for me. And every one of us model some things in our life that we've seen in the lives of people that have gone on before us. Today, in the passage of Scripture we study, going through the book of Ephesians in the New Testament, Paul says this plainly, succinctly, he says, be an imitator of God. Be an imitator of God, and I've got to tell you right up front, We're going to read what I consider to be one of the most offensive passages of Scripture in today's culture. I'm going to read it today. The Apostle Paul says this, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality, or of any kind of impurity, or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, 
which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Folks, that's one of the most frightening verses in all of the Bible. Right there. I'm going to read it again. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Folks, that's one of the most frightening verses in all of the Bible. Right there. I'm going to read it again. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, don't be partners with them. Now listen to this, because I want you to listen to what it doesn't say. For you were once darkness. He doesn't say you were in darkness. He said you were darkness. What a difference. You once were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Live as children of light. What I want to do, this is a passage of scripture. I'm not going to give you three points in a poem. I'm not going to put up a list of thoughts and statements because this passage speaks for itself. I'm simply going to go through it verse by verse very quickly. Verse 1 says, be imitators of God. I found out the word imitator is the Greek word we get the word mime from or mimic. Who do you mimic in life? Who do you take your cues from? And hopefully as a believer in Jesus Christ, you take your, your cues from the Lord. You can take your cues from Hollywood. You can take your cues from the literature of the day, from the culture, and say, that's what I follow. Whatever people tell me how I should feel, how I should dress, how I should believe, how I should consider what's important in my life. And you know what? A lot of people do that. Tell me what I should believe, we say to the culture. Tell me how I should think politically. Tell me how I should think socially, how I should think in every way. And people take their cues from other sources other than, than the Word of God. And Paul says, be an imitator of God as dearly loved children. If I were to ask you this question, what would you fill in the blank? I live a life of, and then fill in the blank. I live a life of what? Some people put, I live a life of hard work. Some people might say, I live a life of education. I live a life of striving for my goals. I live a life of working hard, whatever the case may be. Other people might say, I live a life of resentment. I live a life of bitterness. I'm bitter for what I didn't get in school and I didn't get in high school and I didn't get in college and I didn't get in my young adult life. And I'm bitter and I live a life of bitterness. I live a life of resentment. I live a life of anger. And the list could go on and on. And Paul says just simply, live a life of love. That the most natural description of your life could be love. Maxine Dow Jensen is an author who relates this personal experience. The second year she said I was married, my husband opened an envelope and looked over at me. His brow was furrowed and his mouth a little awry as he said, Maxine... This is April. My birthday's not till July. What's going on? I know, I said. But I saw this card and the sentiment is so appropriate. It wouldn't be there if I waited until July. And if I bought it and brought it home, I probably would have put it away and forgot about it. 
So I thought I'd just give it to you now. And then she writes this, waiting for the proper occasion to show love or kindness may result in doing nothing. Isn't that interesting? Waiting for the proper occasion to show kindness or love may result in doing nothing. Leighton Ford, who used to work with Billy Graham, says we live in a culture where we treat the dead like the living. And we treat the living like the dead. Wow, what a statement. I don't know if that speaks to you or not. It speaks to me. We treat the dead like the living, and we treat the living like the dead. This message from Ephesians 5, 1 through 8, a controversial passage, continues tomorrow on Crossope. That's crossope.org. God bless you. Well, verse 3 is the verse that's the tough part. Let's get right into it. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, which are improper for God's people. I love that phrase, hint. The King James uses the word, it must not be named among you. That doesn't do it for me like there must not be a hint. What's there a hint of in your life when you talk to people? I read once that people talk about things, even to strangers, about people that are important to them, or people talk about their hurts and their wounds, which I found intriguing that people would talk even to a stranger about what's important to them or their wounds. And then it dawned on me, I've done that. And I had an embarrassing moment for me when that happened. I've joked with many of you about this, and uh, you've heard me, the spiel that I've given. I grew up in the Chicago area, in a rough part of the Chicago area, and I jokingly say I went to Attila the Hun High School, which was right across the street, I tell people, from the Catholic High School, which was Our Lady of Self-Defense. More people laughed at that for some reason. But it was rough. But what I've told people, and some of you know this, I have 10 broken and chipped teeth. I've got caps on my front teeth and top and bottom because I was beaten up so many different times with broken teeth. I would go to the dentist and the dentist, honest to goodness, the first thing he would say, not again, not again, another tooth broken, another tooth knocked out. And I was telling that to a stranger I met in Columbus, Ohio years ago and just making my jokes about Attila the Hun High School and Our Lady of Self-Defense and telling about the teeth, and then he stunned me. He looked at me and said, it still bothers you, doesn't it? And he said, excuse me? It still bothers you what you went through in Chicago, doesn't it? And I said, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. We talk about things that are important to us, and we talk about things that bother us. And Paul says, don't even let there be a hint of any kind of immorality or impurity in your life because these are improper for God's holy people. Now, this is intriguing to me. I've actually had people tell me that, Randy, you have to understand that back in biblical days, it was easier to be moral. I mean, people wore robes, you know, and they walked around with their hands folded, and it was a decent time to live. I had actually had a man tell me that. Listen to what William Barclay, a commentator from Scotland, wrote years ago. Chastity was one new virtue which Christianity introduced into the world. It is certainly true that the ancient world regarded sexual immorality so lightly that it was no sin at all. It was the expected thing that every man would have a mistress. Not some men, but every man would have a mistress. 
In places like Corinth, the great temples were staffed by hundreds of priestesses who were sacred prostitutes, quote-unquote, whose earnings went to the upkeep of the temple. When this was written, it wasn't a beautiful society and moral society. It was wicked. And in the midst of that, counterculturally, Paul writes to these people and said, among God's people, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or even of greed, which is interesting because these are improper. Well, the passage of Scripture gets more explicit. We're going to talk about that tomorrow on Cross Hope. Again, this is a message that's not popular. You may be offended by it in 2020. Why? Because the culture says sexual sin isn't a sin anymore. It used to be, but it's not anymore today. Our website is crosshope.org. That's crosshope.org. God bless you and listen tomorrow. When I hear people talk about breaking a commandment, well, I broke one of the commandments and I broke a commandment yesterday and I broke a commandment two weeks ago. Here's what I think every time I hear somebody say that there are no broken commandments. There isn't such a thing as a broken commandment, just broken people. There aren't broken commandments. There are broken marriages. There aren't broken commandments. They're just broken homes and broken families and broken communities and broken nations and broken states. That's what's broken. We don't break the commandments of God. We're broken people when we live in open, direct violation of the Word of God. I think the most radical thing a man or woman can do is to say, I'm going to be faithful to God's Word in this matter. You want to do something radical with your life? Just tell people you believe in Jesus Christ and you happen to believe in the authority of Scripture. That'll get their attention. you got to be kidding. You're not one of those crazy people that actually believes in the Bible, are you? You're not one of those crazy people that actually believes that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and he has authority in my life. Yeah, I do, because you're going to have all kinds of voices telling you just the opposite. Look at verse four, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Why did Paul say that? Because of what Jesus said, that words simply come out of your heart. Whenever I hear a man or woman say words are just words, they don't matter, I say somebody needs to tell the Lord that. Somebody needs to straighten him out because the Lord said we'll be judged, get this, by every idle word. Do you get that, that I'll be judged by every idle word? Do you know what an idle word is? It's a throwdown word. It's a throwaway word. Forget the planned speeches when you told somebody off last Tuesday and you had a rehearsed speech that you practiced for two days. Forget about that. I'm talking about the idle words that we throw away. And the Lord says, we'll give an account for every idle word. Verse 6 says, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. What does that mean? There are all kinds of voices out there to tell you exactly the opposite of what I shared with you today. You ever notice that every sin has an apologist or a defender? You name the sin, I don't care what it is. There are people out there that defend it to the death. It's not sin. It's not wrong. Whatever the case may be, and there are people who make it their job, their purpose in life to be an apologist or defender for sin. I want to tell you a couple of stories that will, I think, speak to you. Some of you are familiar with an actress by the name of Helen Mirren. 
Helen Mirren played Queen Elizabeth in a film about Queen Elizabeth years ago. She said, my mother lived in London during the Blitz, during the Battle of Britain. I think it's about a 60, 70 day period where London was bombed every night by the German Luftwaffe, every night for 60, 70 days. She asked her mom, mom, what was it like in London when the bombs were dropping? My mother told me we carried on, not as if it wasn't happening, we carried on with life because it was happening. Interesting statement, interesting observation. We weren't living in denial and we went on with our daily life as if it weren't happening. We knew it was happening. We knew that last night we were bombed and we knew tonight at about nine or 10 o'clock the bombs will start dropping. But we carried on because it was happening. What's my point? We don't live in denial of what's going on in the culture around us. Because of what's going on in the culture, we say, we believe. And we're going to stand for the Word of God, and we're going to stand for truth, for God's truth. Well, one of the most powerful and offensive scriptures in all of the Bible. Continues tomorrow on Crossope. That's crossope.org. Well, today on Crossope, we close this unbelievably offensive passage of scripture from Ephesians 5, 1 through 8 by telling a story about something that happened 30 years ago in 1990, a plane crash in Long Island, New York, and the doctor who was the first doctor on the scene named Scott Coyne. Listen today as we conclude this message. God bless you. Scott Coyne is a radiologist who once studied for the priesthood, interestingly enough. He happened to be not only the first doctor, but the only doctor on the scene for about an hour when an Avianca Boeing 727 crashed near his home on Long Island, New York years ago. Some of you remember that one wretched January night, this Avianca jet, I don't know if it was coming in to LaGuardia or to JFK, it was landing or it was taking off, but it crashed in Long Island. Scott says many people were killed, but there are also many survivors. He said, for more than one hour, I was the only doctor on the scene. One by one, he said, I had to tend to the passenger's injuries. He had to do it all with a minute or two with each passenger because he didn't have any equipment with him other than a stethoscope, he said. He said that what made things more complicated was this. They were mostly Spanish-speaking people from Colombia, South America. So he said, all I did was go up to each patient and whisper something in their ear. Just hang on. We're going to get you help. And then he'd go on to the next person and say, we're going to get help. We're, we're, we're here. We're, we've called in rescue people. They'll be here. He said, within the hour, helicopters started flying overhead. Sirens were blaring everywhere. Police radios and paramedics radios were blaring everywhere. It was total chaos. But Scott Coyne made this observation. I never heard any of it. I didn't hear the radios. I didn't hear the helicopters. I didn't hear the sirens. Why? He said, I was totally focused on what I had to do at that moment. What's my point in telling that story? You and I are bombarded by the voices of television and Hollywood and movies and literature and magazines and books, and they're all screaming, do what you want. Do what gives you pleasure. Do what makes you feel good. And that's the cultural bias and cultural influence today. And somebody comes along and reads from a book written 2,000 years ago that says, but among you, there must not even be a hint 
of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. And you've got to make a choice either to listen to the voices, the influences, the input, or say, no, I'm going to listen to the word. Decide. Decide today. I'm going to be a man who follows what God says in spite of cultural pressure, in spite of the cultural influence that's bombarding my life. It's, people are yelling and screaming into my life. Just everything that is counter this to what I've been teaching today. But you make the decision. This is my focus. And this is the one I follow for this reason. Paul said, you once were darkness, but now you're light. Live as a child of the light. That's a word for you today. Before Christ, darkness. Coming to Christ, light. Live as a child of light. Well, believe it or not, I think this may be one of the most important passages of Scripture in 2020 for every man, every woman, every teenager that's listening today. You and I have to decide either to give the word an absolute positive yes or an absolute negative no. We do it with the culture all the time. What is your decision today about this passage? Our website is crossoak.org. That's one word, crossoak.org. God bless you and thanks for listening. You've been listening to Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. For more information about this ministry or to re-listen to any message heard on this broadcast, go to our website at crosshope.org. Be sure to join us at this same time each weekday or listen at www.crosshope.org. Cross Hope is listener-supported and is produced by Cross Hope Ministries, Incorporated.